Hello and welcome back to another wonderful episode of Let's Drone Out. Tonight we are joined by our Lord and Master Andrew Slash Frank. Good evening. My little Tony. Bonjour. Everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello. The man with all the protocols, <laughs> Stephen Slash Belrick. Hello. And I'm Brian Till I Fly. Hello. Welcome to the show. Frank, did you line this one up? Because Yeah, yeah. So we've all been regurgitating stuff that we've heard about various bits of radio protocols and technology and transmitters and things. And we don't know any about it ourselves because we haven't had our hands on the stuff. We've just been regurgitating what we've heard. Um, but uh, Belric on the LDO Discord, uh, link in the description below, um, was has had his hands on some of this technology um and told us we're idiots and that he knows better so we've got him on today uh to put us straight on on some things that have been around um calling us idiots and always saying he knows better is true 99% of the population anyway isn't it um <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't idiots at all but it, there are a couple of misconceptions that are thrown around <laughs> one of those misconceptions is about crossfire shot because crossfire shot isn't really a protocol right crossfire shot is a bug fix that allows uh, the mixer to be in sync with your module so it's called crossfire shot due to a snappy bit of tbs marketing and hey i've, I've got it as well i've got all the tracer kit some of them behind me you can see i've lined up all the kind of low latency kit that I've, I've set up so these quads are all the ones i've set up with tracer and we've got elrs there as well i think the one on the end the dead cat oh on uh, mirrors yeah. on that on that side yeah. is uh that's actually sbus fast board one with the dji remote but mm. yeah the, the idea was to get the mixer which is the stuff that's reading your gimbals performing the calculations and outputting your radio channels to get the data send of that in sync with the data receive of your TX. And, and, and previously, that was just, they were both like just flailing around randomly and, and they link up. And, you know, if you're lucky, you get data sending on one side at the same time as the other one was receiving and your data would be of a predictable latency. But more often than not, one was ready to send when the other wasn't ready to receive or the other one's waiting to receive and the other one doesn't have any data yet. Um, and this causes jitter, which is in many ways far worse than latency, because at least latency you can calculate for and you can kind of work around. But jitter, if your commands are arriving some sooner, some later, that really messes with any sort of filtering that you might want to do. And you have to have a, a nice big lag to make up for the variable latency so you can process it out. So that just kind of causes problems for, for Betaflight and everyone else. So the idea with Crossfire Shot or Mixer Sync, as it's more properly known, is to patch <laughs> it so that the mixer sends data 
when the module is ready to receive data and, and as fast as possible as well. Remove some of the, the sort of latency that's acceptable when you're messing around with FR Sky systems in the D8 era. Well, that seemed great. Like, oh, we can do it in under 30 milliseconds. Fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But you move into an era where even FR Sky is targeting like 15 milliseconds, and all of a sudden, some of those inconsistencies and, and wasted time in the code really makes a difference. So it's tightening up that. And we see with that going from V2 to now V3. They've taken that idea and tried to remove some of the useless functionality and remove jitter and latency even further. And also, to give you an extra bit of precision, the, the V3 is going to take you from 10-bit values up to 11-bit values. So the sampling rate, if anyone remembers good old Nyquist theorem and all this crap, um, the sampling rate, the, the amount of resolution you give describes the number of possible levels. So you can sample as fast as you want, but if you've only got a, a certain number of steps you can go in, that's going to introduce stepping in your response. And by the sound of it, there was actually a fair bit of averaging this out and moving it from one scale to another scale that was introducing a, a lot of fudge to the actual value of your gimbals as Betaflight was reading them. So not only are they accelerating this and removing jitter, but they're also adding some precision to the signal so that that range between 1,000 and 2,000 can be more cleanly read by Betaflight than it was before when it was going through a little bit of fudging and... <clears throat> losing some precision mm. or us oh, so, brain will, dump. <laughs> we, will, will we be able to feel any of this i definitely felt the latency change i mean you can feel some of it going from something like an xm plus to tracer that was noticeable definitely and mm. you take like especially the small stuff if you fly micros like two and a half or three inch and you fly them near obstacles you can definitely feel a difference if you're just cruising around maybe not mm. but you take some like quite aggressively set up little two and a half inch quad and thrash it around a, a couple of trees and you can definitely feel a difference. It's interesting because I really felt the difference going to crossfire prior to or prior to crossfire shot um, over SBUS. Anyway, I was going to ask, how are they doing the um, I'm ready to receive, send me some packets? Is it is it actually like a protocol that's, because it sounds a bit like they were on UDP and they've gone to TCP and, networking terms but is it just the fact that they're like okay i'm agreeing that you're going to send stuff every x millisecond and i'm going to be ready to receive every x milliseconds or is it like a connection-based protocol where it's saying ready send me some stuff got that send me the next stuff or um well it's a single wire uart for ERLRS. uh i think r9 and other stuff is a a regular t uh two wire uart but i need to i would need to actually sit down and read the commits and i haven't <laughs> sit down and read the commits if you want me to I, c I can do that and reply back in chat but you've come here unprepared to answer, <laughs> answer my questions I was, I was busy so i was busy soldering up some new uh, receivers for elrs so i've got one with diversity there um so i think be it's careful curry's got more questions about that as well so it's you know. all right it's just structure <laughs> i think there were two dissimilar systems that happened to work together and get by but the, the fit and finish on either side was quite rough and they seem to have just tightened it up and have some kind of accepted definitions. I, I should go back and read, I'll read the actual commits and I'll get back to you. But No, it's interesting because normally you would expect, although it's a little bit haywire, if something's just like, here's all my commands and every time it's ready to read, oh, here's a command and 
if I'm missing stuff out in between, it doesn't really matter because I haven't got the resolution to get that. So I'll just get the next command when I'm ready to read it. And that's generally okay. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that that was causing jitter for people. Because, I mean, most people would say when they went from using SBUS over the crossfire, they instantly noticed it's like, I mean, for me, it was like a little bit weird. It took me a little while to get used to it because it was so responsive on the sticks. But if there's yet another level of responsiveness, it'd be interesting. I look forward to trying this. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, Tony's just muted himself. Uh, I don't know if that means he's, he's lost interest um, or what, what's going on there. He's just playing with the dog. Dog come up on my lap. I didn't want her to <laughs> make noises. It's like, no. for, like, I'm going to have a stab at an analogy of what's going on here. And <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> tell me please, if this is me in. far off. Um, so... From what I understand, the computer in the in your transmitter, the body of your transmitter, reads the gimbals and sticks a, a message up on a whiteboard to say he's got the stick at this position. And then the computer in the transmitter module looks at that whiteboard and goes, that's what I need to tell the receiver to, to pass on to the flight controller. And then what... We don't so that that is now changed because the pr problem with that is that you don't know how long it's been up on the whiteboard for. You don't know how long it's going to be up until the next you know time it's read. It could just you could have one up there and you wipe it off before anyone's read it, and you don't know what's going on. So either they're both agreeing how how often it's going to be changed on the whiteboard, or they're getting rid of the whiteboard and the two computers are actually just talking directly to each other to say, this is the number. And so there's no, you get rid of the whiteboard, you get rid of the buffer, and you're just directly like passing stuff along. Is that, is that a reasonable analogy? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Although the Good. problem comes when you talk directly to each other, then you have to have extra language to say, give me something. Okay, sent it. Give me another one. Okay, sent it. Which can be slower than just like, here are some stuff, take take the next one you get. That's what well, I was interested that's in. That's a bit connection-oriented exactly protocol. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. UDP versus TCP is, is the one that jumps to mind if you work with computers. That's a, you know, connection-oriented. But neither, it's not particularly fast protocol either, right? It's um, <laughs> It's just designed to make sure that stuff arrives. So what you generally do when you want to have something running fast is you'd have a sync signal and both sides acknowledge the existence of a clock like with pro audio gear you'd have a shared clock signal between the two sides and you'd transmit and receive according to that shared clock so i think it's it's more like a shared clock system than and have you got it yet yes i've got it all right another one's coming up okay have you got it yet and jack is wiggling right. so, some, some so clocks more like us i believe <laughs> more like i guess how the old if i think of ppm i always think of like here is a little wiggle on an oscilloscope and then we leave a big gap to indicate that's the end and that is your sync signal it's kind of just agreeing what is the the sync going to be and it can yeah be and, and also targeting a higher rate of, of mixer updates as well i don't know what the mixer updates were before but it also seems to have been agreed that 250 hertz um for OpenTX is is a good rate to send mixer updates. And I have a feeling, although I 
I was going to try and read the code, but I can't really do that at the same time as being on the show. <laughs> you know, you can't multitask like that. Um, you were soldering. You had plenty of time. If he comes at you again, just say that you really? understand Linux and he'll, yeah. he'll get distracted by asking me a question about it. <laughs> so just by agreeing that the mixer should be sending updates more frequently, I think is a big part of it as well. The, the mixer doesn't seem to have been targeting any specific update interval. OpenTX is now targeting 250 hertz. And interestingly, EdgeTX, which I think was thrown around as well, one of the things that they're pushing for is a 500 hertz or maybe even 1,000 hertz updates. Um, and you see this with gaming mice, right? And I guess few of you are gamers. I think Curry's writing a game, so probably seen all the ridiculous gaming peripherals and polling rates that they do. Um, so the, the idea is I, to be able to get those updates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My mouse has got onboard storage. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> is it but to store all the pretty colours that you do? There. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. It's like... And it's got the speed. So you can adjust. store your LED order that you want to flash no it, like the it, it like stores the tracking motion all that Thank and i've you. got a really fast clicky button as well you can turn it into but, like a persistence of vision led screen just by waving it about i don't know why does a mouse need onboard storage like black box why does a mouse need leds so you can see it in the dark when you're wanking. draining your batteries <laughs> but what, what do we need I, I can't wait to see tone will you let me know if that gets in <laughs> that stays in <laughs> that's not gonna stay in no, was, no. What, so what do we need to try um crossfire shot because most of us have crossfire don't we oh, right. tony does jack does i do do you yeah, yeah. So, i do not the, i'm afraid you original the original one was coming out with all these crafty builds from TBS where they'd done private builds of OpenTX, but it's in mainline OpenTX now. So if you're on a recent OpenTX build, and I think now that 2.3.12 has come out, you should probably aim for that if you've got OpenTX. If you're feeling a little bit funky and you're running ExpressLRS, you might consider moving to EdgeTX because that's going to unlock um, 500 hertz updates, which yeah, maybe you can't feel it, but can't hurt. So... You can make that oh, you've move. come up with two buzzwords we need to talk about in one sentence there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Open LRS and Edge. Nice segue. Yeah, so uh, ELRS was this, hey, everyone's got all this FR Sky R9 hardware around that they seem loath to actually do anything useful with, um, but it's fairly easy to program. So people started you know, trying to do an over-the-air protocol for that, and they did. Uh, very successfully, and they were able to crank out more performance than FRSky ever got out of it. Um, and that was very popular. But as with Crossfire and all these other um, 900 megahertz or 868 megahertz protocols, the antennas are massive. Uh, and so they took that over-the-air protocol and ran it on 2.4 gig as well, and that's kind of where we are at the moment. You can get a variety of different... Um, transmitters i've got little tiny one on the t light there um i've got the happy model one somewhere in a in a deviation tx radio there as well um and you can get very very cheap receivers for it so instead of having to go to you know say oh i've only got 15 quid for a receiver i guess i'll have to go and get an fr sky you, you can take your 
your 15 quid or even 12 pounds and get something from ELRS that that's going to completely whoop the pants off that old FR Sky receiver um, and probably outdo uh, Tracer as well. If you're happy to jump through a few hoops, um, generally being learning a new configurator app, it's not terribly hard. The EP series from Happy Model I'd absolutely recommend because they've got built-in Wi-Fi. If you've done all this Raspberry Pi messing around and you've probably encountered Espresseth and their 8266 and ESP32 chips, right? And these are mm-hmm. super cheap, super low-end microcontrollers with integrated Wi-Fi. Um, they've got a little bit flash, a little tiny amount of RAM, but most importantly, they've got Wi-Fi on them. And so you can get something that is the size of something very small, which I've probably got on a packet somewhere around the desk. You can get something that's uh, 10 mil on a side. And I know I've got one somewhere, but they're so small, I can't tell which packets are empty and which aren't. Just there. So this is not going to work on the camera. You see that little dot in the middle of there next to my fingertip? That, oh, yeah. That's small is an ELRS uh, EP receiver. That's an EP2, and that's got a UFL on it, right? And that will run you about a tenner, maybe 12, given some shipping. Um, And and that that gives you the full 2.4 gig range that you see everyone boasting about, you know, get out to 30 kilometers if you want. um, It was the size of your fingernail. Yeah, and it's the size of my fingernail. And they've also got one of these Wi-Fi boards on there as well. So... The entire back face of the chip is taken up with an ESP32, which, if you don't connect to it in 20 seconds, automatically powers itself on and starts hosting a Wi-Fi access point. And you go what? look. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, this gets better. You no, no, no farting around with cables and UARTs and soldering in STM adapters or anything. No JTAG or anything. You just wait for the Wi-Fi access point to appear. Log into it with it's called Express LRS RX, and it's got a password Express LRS, and it'll host <laughs> a web page, and the web page says select your firmware file, and click upload, and you do that, and you wait, and give it like ten seconds to actually save all that stuff to Flash once it's done the upload, so mm-hmm. that the write is complete, and then you're done, and it'll reboot itself, and your radio will reconnect, and boom you've got your new firmware version installed. So it's it's an absolute doddle to manage if you get one of the happy, the EP series. The PP, the tiny PPs, as they were cleverly <laughs> named, do not have Wi-Fi. So get an yeah. EP because that's got Wi-Fi. It's much easier. Me, me and Tony are amused, but are also... Uh, scared because I don't I don't think me and Tony can spell open LRS in order to, to <laughs> gain access. Yeah, gain access to the. What happens if you haven't got Wi-Fi on your computer? Are you screwed? You can do beta flight pass through, so you get that thing hooked up onto a UART, um, just like you do for. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yes. You can just use their configurator and it'll treat it as a UART and upload. I think you have to bridge code. a boot pad. This is like Tony trying to bridge it with a piece of gaffer tape or something. Yeah, you can literally <laughs> use it. I, haven't, I, look, I haven't got Wi-Fi on my computer. I don't use have Wi-Fi. I, I own a Mac phone. I mean, iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> that has Wi-Fi, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's, he's got terrible file behavior. Um, yeah. Um, no. so, uh, what, what, what is anyway. the support like? Buy, on buy a USB Wi-Fi card. Yeah. yeah. 
What's, what's the support for if you're a scumbag like Curry? It works fine. Um, so all this is written the same as the, the Betaflight iNav configurator, the same as the Heli S configurator. It's all just a Node.js app, right? So it runs on pretty much anything. I run Ubuntu, and that's normally a complete pain in the butt to run things on, right? I'm that Linux guy, and I've reported Linux bugs to Curry for his game as well. Like, Why does it work? Have you not tested on Linux? Of course he hasn't, because no one does. That's fine. But it does, does that work. mean you're the guy with the wide monitor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's me. Sorry. I'm the one person that tested on Linux. <laughs> Have you not tested it on Linux with an ultra wide monitor? I love I love that you're that guy. Yeah. He knows <laughs> <instantly> <laughs> just one user and GitHub using Linux. Yeah. Does that mean we also had the this doesn't render properly, try Vulkan? Oh, that's okay now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The shade is only okay. yeah, it's just you. Yeah, just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it, it works really say, well. So, so um, we need we need some sort of module to use it. But what is it supported then with OpenTX? Is there like a, a an open LRS option on external? Or are we using some sort of so sort it, of generic? At each generic end of the connection, you're using yeah. the CRSF protocol, which is documented oh. and a part of BetaFlight, and it's part of OpenTX, and that's a wire protocol. Express LRS is the over-the-air protocol that joins those two mm. wire connections together, right? So CRSRF on the transmitter, CRSF on the receiver. So all your telemetry and everything's going over CRSF. And on the OpenTX side, all your um, your module signals are using CRSF. So no real updates required. If you want to go configure your transmitter, you drop a Lua script on, and that's going to let you set things like your output power. It's going to let you set the... Uh, the, the packet rate, uh, and also enable Wi-Fi update mode on the TX as well, because your TX can also run as a Wi-Fi point, do the upgrade the same way I described. Wow. Yeah. So on that point, easy, given easy. that so much effort has obviously been put into making it easy to update the firmware on these receivers and modules, how often are you updating the firmware on these things? Is it well, something where like, every time you fly, you're updating it? Um, that there was one thing where I wanted, I wanted to get it working on a very old radio. He reaches behind him and grabs a particularly old radio. Some of you may remember back Mm -hmm. in the days before we had open TX, we had deviation TX, right? And this is a T8 SGV2. It's not particularly shiny or new, but I I like it and it's small. There's no, it's not broken or anything. And I have in the back of that a a project box with Express LRS in it. Um, again, nothing particularly fancy. Here, I can't run Lua scripts. So ah. that was a problem because I couldn't configure all my settings for the module. And I, while I could plug in my tracer, my tracer module worked perfectly. And you might think, why would tracer work? This is ancient radius. This wasn't around when tracer was a thing. Well, because um, TBS use this CRSF protocol and have kind of a fixed data format, all their menus are actually generated on the module and not in the radio. So the TBS Lua script is actually just like a menu driver and it asks the module, what options have you got? What are the allowed values for those options? What order should I draw them in? And it draws them like that, which is why you've got the TBS Lua script and the TBS agent light script 
working just fine for any piece of TBS equipment because all they're doing is reading the allowed values and the text strings to put in them off the module and putting them on the screen. And oh. so for TBS, that works beautifully. For ExpressLRS, they didn't do that. They had their own funky little Lua system that had an, a, a hard-coded set of strings in the Lua script and a, a set of arrays it was poking through and all this crap. But what I worked with one of the guys um, whose name... Uh, stoned dog one of the helpful developers there uh, and we actually kick the tires on a pull request that's going in sometime after 1.0 we're on 1.0 rc9 right now so it's not in right now but i'm running a pr on this that i worked on where it actually adopts exactly the same system that tbs uses so mm. all the the strings and the menus are driven from the module and are not stored on the radio so any radio firmware would work you'd be able to run any crusty old radio so long as it works with Crossfire, it would work with ExpressLRS. Um, and that was quite nice to get it working, I must say. That was... So that's that's the occasion when I've been doing lots of updates. By and large, no. Since I think RC4 had a big bug they fixed, but anything after RC4, or RC9 now, has been working pretty consistently for me. I'm not a big long-range guy, though. Mm. I was so talking what? to Jack before the about that. What Sorry. are the sort of enhancements that um, OpenLRS has over Express LRS. regular stuff? But also, OpenLRS was a, a, an old open project. And yeah, yeah, it was that predates yeah. it. I don't I, think it's linked get, actually, but it was a much older. I think four three three system. Confused. Yeah, thing. Express. Mm -hmm. so, um, so, I mean, specifically, you got range and latency over two point four. What about um, stuff like you mentioned R9, people flashing their old stuff because I think FreeSky have lost interest, so that's an obvious way to go. But what are the sort yeah. of enhancements you'd have over the sort of vanilla R9 system you might have? Well, you've got a much wider choice of RXs, so you can have one of these tiny 10 mil on a side RXs, or you could have something that's that's much chunkier. Um, here's, here's another one, for example, that's similar in size to like an old XM Plus, but this guy, if you want to go long range, can do 100 milliwatt telemetry. Not, you know, 100 milliwatt, what, that's normal. Yeah, on a TX it's normal, but your telemetry connection's normally like 10 milliwatt, 15 milliwatt. This does 100 milliwatt telemetry, which means you, your telemetry is just going to run for a very long time. Right, we, we, um, we do an audio podcast, so if you can say... Like it's well, said it was, it was, and it was uh, this big. Oh, so okay. So you are seeing a, a a anti-static bag that I'm holding up <laughs> with a receiver, which is roughly the same size as an XM Plus, and this is a CE FR Mini receiver. That CE FR Mini is running their own proprietary protocol, but I got an ST link and, and messed around with that and flashed it. And the CE, while being the same size as an XM Plus or RXSR is capable of outputting that 100 milliwatt telemetry. I had an SSR on the, my desk somewhere. But no, no, you were doing a fine job. It was just like, because we, we were comparing sizes, you know, mini PB and all that. <laughs> yeah, so, so on it, like, why use it? Well, you've got this massive choice of receivers, and you can go for super cheap and small, or you can go for something a bit more expensive with diversity. Dave Story asking, if it's not been asked, what range can I expect from the ceramic antenna? I read lots of posts from people on the Discord in Express LRS, and they say, oh, well, I was flying 15 miles with this in the middle of effing nowhere in America. That, that might be entirely <laughs> realistic. Um, where I fly in a, in a small, crowded area, um, not central London, but 
fairly close to the, the centre of London. Um, there's a lot of Wi-Fi noise, and the area I fly um, has a lot of people running Wi-Fi routers quite nearby, so it's swamped. I was getting fail-safes on an XM Plus at um, sort of 100, 200 metres. Mm. And when I'm running at 50 milliwatt with a little ceramic antenna, and I've got one buried in the worst place in the quadcopter, where I've jammed it into the guts of something. Uh, it's in the front of this tiny two and a half inch, uh, at the front of the, you can't even see it, it's the front of the stack. It's about there where my finger is. There is a, a tiny EP2 in there, and it's occluded by screws and a 3D printed canopy, and it's sat right on top of the ESCs, which is it's all bad for signal, generally speaking. It's far outflying the XM Plus that I used to have in there. I've got down to a link quality of 30 at about 150 meters. Just as I turned around, I had a blip where I think the battery and the cord and everything was between <laughs> the RX and, and myself. Um, but the thing to mention is that it's very tolerant of low link quality, whereas with FR Sky, you see that RSSI go down to, and, and RSSI isn't RSSI with FR Sky, right? So they're in funky calculation. They munge it and they say, aha, it's the FR Sky magic number. And you know intuitively, like if your FR Sky magic number goes down below 40, you're in trouble. But it doesn't necessarily mean the exact strength of the signal. And you have to kind of figure it out. And you think, oh, yeah, I've got from zero to 100. I'll, I'll be okay flying down to 10, I mean, not, and everything. You get RX loss at like below 40 somewhere. But whereas this guy will go down to a link quality of, of 30 or 25 and still be perfectly flyable. And if you're on 500 hertz updates, that means that out of those 500 updates that you're expecting every second, you're only getting 25 or 30% of those. So your oh. link quality is the percent of updates that you've received. And you'd expect, obviously, to receive 100% of your updates. But if you're on maybe, I think intuitively, and I haven't proven this, but I think if you're running a, a higher rate and you, you see a link quality of 30%, it's not necessarily so much to be worried about because mm. you're still at 25% link quality getting over 100 updates a second through. So, mm, sure. Yeah, that makes so sense. Aside from... If you if you have an R9, I know you can flash those. A happy model are doing some ready to buy receivers. Beta mm. FPV contacted me today about a module and receivers mm. they're bringing out. Is there anybody else that does them? There's a Namino RC, a Chinese manufacturer, and they seem to be selling mainly on the Chinese market. But they do a really fantastic looking TX with a, with a fan built in, and I think they've got heat sinks on there. It's very high power output. Not sure you'd really need that unless you're taking your wing and trying to rich france but um yeah it, it outpaces dji say so, say so that dji like on 700 this on 100 will will outfly it so it's not really a problem um other manufacturers uh there's a lot of diy stuff i recommend going on the discord express lrs most of their discussion happens on a discord discord you can find linked off their github site and there's a buy and sell listing, and you can give your money to you, you know your fellow FPV enthusiasts and get them to make you a module. And the module that I've been flying mainly on this one was made by a guy in the UK who got the parts, uh, ordered a bunch of circuit boards, soldered them up, you know, 
pocketed a few quid out of the deal and sent me it. And he did 3D print as well. It's a pretty nice 3D print. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of its values that we're not really mentioning is that it is a community-oriented project and people aren't just, you know, taking a bunch of money and uh, and disappearing with it to buy a new Mercedes, that it's, you know, FPV <laughs> enthusiasts helping F- FPV enthusiasts, which is mm. nice to see. Mm. Yeah, is, and, is there and, any... Sorry, I was just going to say, is there any any problems from TBS because it's using CRSF? I mean, they kind of open sourced yeah. uh, smart audio, but they weren't. It wasn't like open source. It's like buy a license from us, else we're going to keep updating the protocol to cut you third parties out, sort of thing. So all, all it's really doing is emulating the interfaces that are already coded into OpenTX and Betaflight. So those are all entirely open source implementations that have been released to the community to support their their hardware. I dare say if they kicked up a big fuss about it, that the team would be able to move to something new. But really, I don't think TBS would have a leg to stand on. And I don't know. I don't think it's in anyone's best interests to try and infight to this degree. You know, if they've got a better product, <laughs> then let the product stand on its merits. So have you met Trappy? Yeah. He likes, <laughs> likes the drama a little bit. He does like the drama, doesn't he? Uh, I heard the podcast about the latest Crossfire Shot V3 thing, and it was all very... Uh, hyperbolic this episode was recorded in front of a live online audience downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only censored to please the itunes people hosted on the internet forwarded through to your podcast provider downloaded playing on your device and is now playing in your ears all thanks to our patreons consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out so, Curry, what what hardware have you got to run Express LRS? Because you, you said you were planning on it. Yeah, I've I've still got because um, I used to do a load of tests on on R nine, and I have to say I had a, a reasonable experience on R nine, uh, a lot better than others. But one thing that FreeSky uh, awful, or or what FreeSky do is literally just like lose interest in it. So it's like, oh, it's got this, it's going to be amazing. I was like, well, here's here's the bugs I. I found can you fix them it's like well we don't talk about what bugs we fix or what we don't fix we'll just have a release at some point so i've got three or four quads which have r9 on them um and i've got i think three r9 modules so i got no problem in like flashing one of those and flashing some receivers but i've also got one of these uh nano modules and receivers turning up from bigger fpv at some point so i'll certainly be testing it out um, seeing how it goes but yeah i like the idea of having um i guess because like free sky used to be like we all used to love free sky and then it turned into some sort of big evil company at some point because it's like these are really nice receivers they're quite cheap and they go quite well and then they're like oh no you have to update to this and it's going to screw you all up and we're going to stop those receivers because we want to sell you this so it's nice to think about yeah. here's something that the community's developed and you can buy a big range of things, and it's already working on a, a very well-established protocol. Right. Um, and it, it sounds really good. I mean, sometimes uh, the, the, one of the problems with open source is um, people can get very excited about doing this interesting development, and it never gets documented very well because they're all off doing very interesting things. But it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, that there's a nice configurator, and there's Lua scripts, and it's relatively easy to do, and it's already operating on established things we're already using so i'm interested yeah it's, it's nice to see that actually there's communities interested in keeping their old hardware running and not just putting it in a landfill i think that's 
it's nice to see mm. and there's clearly money to be made like beta flight has proven to manufacturers that there is a whole crap ton of money to be made by selling stuff that works with open source firmware the in fact if anything not having to write the firmware frees you as a board manufacturer to do what you do best and create a really good board and not get bogged down in maintaining drivers and maintaining firmware. You're just able to go and say, this is how my board works, here's a target definition, and then just get down to the business of shipping as many boards as you can. We'll yeah. see who else picks that up uh, over the next... You know, season or two, I guess. Um, I'm sure there will be some others uh, eventually. I mean, even you know, as we've seen with like the Seriously Pro and all stuff like that. Like anytime there's a, a well-defined uh, system to start using, some manufacturers will start picking it up and making more boards, and yep. there'll be a bit of a race to the bottom of who can produce most the cheapest that people are happy with. So, I mean, there will yeah. obviously be some kind of word of mouth. You know, if you find a system or at least a board that you like, then share it. Let us know. We'd, we'd like to hear um, and get stuff picked up a bit more. As Son and Dad FPV says, now we need easy open HD FPV. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the other thing is there's, um, you know, that's the other kind of open source project that, that Curry's been the guy that I'm, I'm waiting to <laughs> see what it'd be really nice to hear what's happening on that community. Actually, I, yeah. I was tracking some of the open HD stuff around about December and I invested in a couple of single board computers, which I hoped I was going to be able to use. And it sounded like one of the project members um, had some personal problems or that they lost a couple of project members because development has, has slowed greatly. They were talking about releasing version three in December and still not out now. Uh, if you look at the releases, it's uh, mm. it's, it's slowed a lot, and I don't wish to, I don't want to wish them badly because I think they're doing an amazing project. It's really good, um, but I, I hope that you know if anyone's out there who knows how to write code relating to you know HD video transmission or the ICs involved, then you know please get involved there. I think they could use some people. Yeah. Well, I think OpenHD are always going to be at a limit with the hardware they're using because it's like it's a Raspberry Pi and it's running Linux and that is different than some FGPA that's dedicated to doing encoding and decoding video um, just on its single thing. But there's, you know, there's faster single board computers out there that can handle it better. Uh, like the Jetson Nano brings brings the stuff down. But yeah, this is this is the project I keep wanting to get back to, which I should be able to now because I finished writing some stuff for a while. So yeah, my next thing does return to OpenHD, see where I was, yeah. and try and write a blog post about it because I forgot what I did. So I thought, <laughs> I now freeze out. I'll flash that. They 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 did a bit, bunch of releases. Yeah, and I, I know what you mean because the guy I was talking to was one of the main developers. As I, I tried talking to him on Telegram, he, he didn't respond. I don't know if that's because he doesn't like me anymore, or he didn't seem to be there, but he doesn't seem to be in the discussions anymore. So he he was very much a leading figure. So. Uh, not quite sure what's going on there, but yeah, I hope to get back to that and, and have a more of a play and document it a little bit more. Cause unfortunately, as I said, one of the open source issues is everybody wants to get in and, and write the exciting features, but it's, it, if you look at it from the outside as a sort of a, a, a non uh, like, like Jack, a non Linux user, you'd be like, <laughs> what's this about? And how do I, how do yeah. I work it? That sort of thing. 
And, and then you've got people on the other side saying, well, it's just Debian running easy Wi-Fi broadcast. Why are you even bothering? Well, I could just roll my own version. And so it's yeah, un <laughs> unhelpful people on both extremes. Um, one thing that did I jump into know. my mind while you were talking, Kerry, was they're actually trying to crowdfund their own board. I don't know if you remember mm. that, but OpenHD oh. was in talks mm. with, uh, I believe, Allwinner, I think. And they had this uh, camera-focused board, which had a very fast image signal processor, uh, ISP, on it. And they were looking to leverage that for a custom board that was focused purely on what OpenHD needed. Um, that looked very interesting. Oh, that would be interesting because that, that, uh, I had a, a discussion. I, we, we tried to have one of the guys on the show, and he, he kept cancelling on us. So I asked him all the questions, and that was one of the things that came up to get it to the sort of latency that DJI would, would be a custom board. I didn't know they'd got as far as trying to crowdfund it. Then we've got all the politics of DJI. You kept up with that. Like people run cam producing a camera for them, and then Cadex throwing their toys out of the pram and saying, but we paid for the rights for that. What, why are you taking away our, our camera revenue? Well, Cadex, meanwhile, yeah. they're not making any cameras because they can't get the chips to make them. <laughs> and so that's that's why there's like a new update where they're like encrypting something so that it doesn't work with any other cameras. Right. They're talking about requiring a specific chip on the camera, which it mm. was, is, is the most nonsensical of marketeering because in order to do that, they'll actually be blocking their own Cadex Nebula Nano, which doesn't include that chip. So the only way they'll be able to do that is by destroying their own product line. Mm. And yet they're still like, yep, this is what we're going to do, <laughs> which is just yeah. that is why you need but open source. I've also heard right that they're coming out with a, a new camera for the, the DJI HD system. That's going to be like a, a starlight, you know, night vision, not night vision, but low lux um, camera. Um, as well, so we'll see what happens with that. If that's any good, because I, I feel like having seen some of the footage from Wings and Wheels, it seems like that might have been useful. Um, oh, yeah, the DJI cameras are really <laughs> bad in low light. I, I yeah. run DJI, I'm not a convert by all by any means. Because when you get to the smaller sizes or you want to fly in poor lighting, that DJI is just a grainy mess. Mm. Um, I mean, other kind of projects that we've seen sort of developing over the years i mean there's the fpv combat system that is is now on sale in the uk the boards have arrived that's on sale people are getting them that's good to see um and again i i feel like that's a similar sort of i don't think it is it might not technically be open source but it, it i to me it's got the same sort of feel because it's had some developers put far too much effort into it and wait three years of developing a million features on it before actually releasing any hardware but yeah I'm this, this is coming from enthusiasts out. they've yeah. made the boards they're having to charge for them but it's very unlikely they'll, <laughs> they'll yeah, recoup the, their investment certainly in time and effort but they're doing it because it's it's yeah. a cool system oh. and it's fun to do yeah exactly um i really want to get one put it on something and fly with some people and shoot some people down and probably get shot down more. But that's the thing I want to do at some point. Um, we'll see. I, I, was, uh, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours about getting a sewing machine pedal and putting it in the trainer port so you can shoot me the foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's a weird shooty thing. So, so the other protocol thing we've been hearing a lot about, and I don't think any of us has touched, is Edge. This mm. uh, new it's not, radio not a protocol, firmware. is it? Yes. 
Well, it's, it's the radio firmware, isn't firmware it? Firmware radio, the firmware. radio yeah. Oh, you want the spiel on this? Mm, I, could, yes, I could do the spiel on this one. All right. So this guy is also running HTX, by the way. It's T-Lite. Um, so when's, when's OpenTX 2.4 arriving? Never. Right. Just yeah, no How long have we been asking for OpenTX 2.4? No one I never ever, ask for updates. I just no. like to stay on them until <laughs> they're really necessary. Yeah. Everything so, uh, breaks. And I've got to re-download the Lua scripts. Without characterizing people too rudely, and I, I don't want to make sweeping judgments. I'm not, I'm not an open tier. However, however, <laughs> and if, if you're paid off on by this, free sky. Yeah, a disclaimer. Yeah, really. yeah. any views expressed by any of our guests on the show are personal, may not reflect the views of others or other developers. Beautiful. Um, so, the OpenTX community includes a lot of enthusiasts who have been using OpenTX since forever, and they're using it to fly aircraft line of sight. They're using it to fly things where the risk reward is. Uh, is this my groceries knocking on the door? I hope not. <laughs> I will finish this. The risk reward is, is is very, very much higher than a freestyle quad where you half expect to crash every time you put a pack in. And, and for those users, they do not want OpenTX implementing a bunch of fancy protocols that they are not going to use, which may influence code they're already using and stop their mixers or their incredibly mm. complex switch combinations from working. And, and they, I think, are effectively the, the break on OpenTX development. If we look at this, there's a focus from people who say too much risk. And what EdgeTX has done is the same thing in a certain way clean flight and beta flight have done. That is an example. It's not the only example because there was a lot of politics, obviously, in, in, in that. With EdgeTX, it's had the blessing from the OpenTX developers who effectively have said, okay, if you want to go and publish a nightly build of OpenTX, we're including all the features that we're not ready for yet, you can go and do that but please distance it from us and don't in any way ruin the name of OpenTX. And this is with full disclaimer because I'm not in on these private conversations. But what EdgeTX does is take that OpenTX 2.4 code base, release it right now with all the patches on top of what's currently in 2.4 that you might want, things like touchscreen support for color radios, things like mm. 100 hertz updates, Things like um, something coming in very soon that converts the ancient save format of OpenTX to a text file that you can actually edit as a human being instead of needing companion. And it, it, it allows all of those things to be happening now instead of waiting for them to get to, through the approval process of the Socks and Sandals Brigade. <laughs> but they paved the way for us and didn't defend us when... Yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, saying they're bad people. Yeah, it's just no. a reflection of priorities, right? Our priorities as, as quad pilots are probably going to crash, kind of crash a little bit every time we land. Um, you know, it's it's not the same world for us. And I think HTX reflects that, that we'd like to have something that includes the latest features, lower latency, better performance. Mm. And maybe if it bugs out and doesn't show me my telemetry viewer perfectly, or some of the functions of very complex switch functions don't work exactly the same. Uh, okay, whatever. 
you know, it's not going to ruin our day as much. Um, if your fireballless servo mixing doesn't work, that's it, not the end of the world. Um, so it's it's maybe a kind of a reflection, like you say, almost that there's enough of a community has built up that once the higher performance FPV stuff, that I mean, amongst other things, that there's enough of a community there to build another version um and so it's kind of is it is it literally a fork where people are saying oh but i've been using this special tbs build of OpenTX for for two years what what this was supposed to be a temporary fix where's the permanent fix and and Mm. that question needed an answer sooner or later and so this is the answer is it is it safe to update to edge yet have they got an official release Um, if you've got a color radio, it's a little bit more complex. The general uh, accepted wisdom is make sure to back up your models. Just do the models backup and settings backup. Save it somewhere. I, I, you know, I saved it. It converted all my models just fine. I think that the T light, for all intents and purposes, is equivalent to the older Tyrannus. It's got the same super low res screen and, and basic feature set. And the first boot you do, it's going to read the old models file, convert it into a new models file, and then reboot itself. So that first boot takes a wee bit longer, and you need to be a bit patient. And then obviously, it's going to give you the usual SD card warnings of, hey, your SD card version text doesn't match the version that this firmware is, and you can go and upgrade your SD card as well. I think they've added that to the flasher. So that's a nice new feature. They've got, instead of the old companion utility, they've got a brand new flashing thing. And it flashes over DFU, the same as Betaflight does. So you just plug in. You don't need to power on your radio. You plug into DFU mode, and you click flash. Select the the latest release candidate from the the drop-down. Select your radio. Click flash, and it will slowly upgrade you. And then you've got an SD card thing, so you can detach the radio, plug in again, select, yep, 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 mass storage mode. And then do your SD card as well. Uh, I think you can also just pop out the SD card, and it recognizes it if you've got it as a removable drive. So they've they've included that, and they've they've broken out the voice packs as well. So now you've got voice packs per language, so it doesn't need to include. If you're an English speaker, oh, you don't have to wait for God. Hungarian and Russian and German <laughs> and everything to to finish. Yeah, that is forever deleting that off people's SD cards, yeah. and that was the worst part. Was do you remember that, Tony, where I literally snapped your old SD card in half? Because, it, you know, like those those provide the Tyrannus providing the one gig SD cards that was just slow as balls. I think there's a high and speed the radios, the, the radios themselves, I think, because it's running through that little ARM microcontroller, it really slows down the SD card, even if it's a half decent mm. one. That makes sense. Well, this is this is something else to try. It sounds fairly easy yeah. to update your radio, and you're it's not innocuous. You can go back. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry for speaking of you, Curry. That's right. No, I've got enough radios to try it on one and see if I like it, and then we'll see if the others want to play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing is, while we're here, you've been playing with Tracer, right? What? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so some of these are still on Tracer, I think. This guy over here. Please tell us what this guy over here is. This guy over here is a little... I quite like these little toothpick, like way too big to be a toothpick, toothpick frames. This is a four-inch twig mutant um, frame from Racer X, and it's got a Cadex Vista in there. 
the original chunky Vista camera, and it's got does tracer it have, in there. Sorry, does it have foldable props or something? Because yeah, it's got these yeah. new uh, Gemfan ah. F4019 foldable props, so I can just jam it in a bag. It's a, it's a nice, cool. it's a quad you can kind of just shove in a bag and take anywhere, and it's fairly robust. It's got like a, th- I think a three mil bottom plate that's really chunky, and it has almost no vibration because it's got these built-in cross braces. It's a lovely little machine to fly, and it's got a Beta FPV fifteen uh, zero. Five, I believe, 3,600 KV, which gives it a fair bit of punch on 4S. And I run it with a 750 Mar GMB on there, 4S. Um, Fly is an absolute treat. Um, and I've got Tracer on there, which I'll be, will be replacing. But Tracer, is, it, it's been nice. I can't really complain about it. The only thing I complain is that it takes a lot of power and causes my T-Light to potentially fry itself if I get too over enthusiastic but um, I'm going to re- put ELRS on this eventually but this is kind of my take anywhere ready to go quad so I'm being careful about it but yeah the traitor setup was okay I would complain that that need to run if you're a Linux user run a Windows VM is kind of a pain in the butt and the TBS software looks like something from 1995 which is gets my goat in this day and age when you know, INAV and Betaflight and BL Heli S and even like Blue JESC is like a one man project. They've got excellent utilities and, and Tracer is just kind of a sore thumb with its uh, crossfire style utility. Um, but it works fine. It's just a bit expensive. It's 30 quid a pop. Those EP2s are 12 quid a pop in the UK or like a tenner if you buy the, a couple of them on Ali. Um, and I don't is, really is want it to say that on TBS software. Does does Tracer in terms of its usability and range is that quite similar to ELRS on two point four? Yeah, it's a direct contender for sure. Um, they yeah. both give you a. So you might as well not spend experience. as much and have the cheaper things. Yeah, this is what I got to. Like, I've got a selection of quads out there, but there's another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, just under twenty on the wall over there, and I was going to upgrade them, and it's just. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen on Tracer. I'm not going to sink 600 quid into Tracer. Mm. I'm just not going to do it. So upgrading to well, it's been you found it worthwhile because <clears throat> you obviously spent some money on it anyway. You've upgraded stuff, upgraded some stuff to Tracer, so it was obviously worth kind of some money. But you've then found Express LRS, and that's given you yeah sort of the same sort of. There's also the one we haven't talked about, right? So if you run DJI, and I do on some of them, where it makes sense in a weight situation, you can also run SBUS from DJI. This guy's running SBUS from DJI, which means I have to use what I unfondly call the effing ugly baked potato controller um, from (laughs) DJI, which is awkward and takes ages to charge, and you have to buy expensive DJI batteries, and it just weighs a ton and doesn't have a screen on it and just annoys the hell out of me. So you you can do that, and you run a special implementation of SBUS. So it's not SBUS like you'd be familiar with from FR Sky Days. It's fast SBUS, which apparently is a 200 hertz SBUS, or maybe it's not 200 hertz, it's 200 kilobit or something. Anyway, they effectively doubled the board rate or the packet rate to call it fast SBUS. And you can do that if you do DJI, and you don't need another RX, which is nice, but at the same time, you have to use 
Mr. Giant Baked Potato controller over there with its mm. terrible ergonomics. So, so this is kind of the, the third route, I guess, if you're ready, DJI. And I think that more than Tracer made me want to do ELRS because DJI seemingly has no interest at all in the community. Like you think, Tracer, mm. okay, yeah, they're not, they're, you know, they've lots of hyperbole and they don't really explain what technologies inside their products they just do kind of architecture as we call it in the enterprise world where you have a big fancy diagram with lots of exclamation points on it and everything's bombastic but dji on the other hand they're never going to make a module ever it's just but but you can have a nice lightweightish solution yet you're stuck um so i think the real thing that drove me to express lrs was I don't want to spend a lot of money on my DJI quads. Can I have something that's not a DJI controller, that's a regular OpenTX radio, which works here without adding a ton of weight or cost to the quad? Mm. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant. Apologies. No, great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, that's definitely made me think then, because, you know, I was saying a few weeks ago, like, I've you know, basically got everything on... Uh, just old FR Sky at the moment. Those receivers are rapidly disappearing. I've, I'm not going to go to Access because that's stupid. Uh, I was was thinking of going Tracer, but maybe I will go Express LRS. Um, I mean, what do you know? Well, I mean, I've got the uh, Radio Master TX16. Um, with the multi protocol module, I guess because it's all faster and lower and stuff, that's not going to be a multi protocol thing. That's going to be a dedicated module for Express LRS. Isn't there it? is a PR for the that's a five in one module, and that five in one module, the five as opposed to the four in one module, that's everything else. The five is a 900 megahertz chip, and it's an SX1276, I believe, right? So the SX, Semtex SX1276 is the chip that makes all of this 900 megahertz stuff work, right? It's used over in R9. It's used in all the ELRS 900 megahertz. When you go to 2.4 gig, they use the Semtex SX1280. It's just a different frequency domain, same feature set. Um, so, so you can run that potentially, and there is a PR. If you look at the multi-protocol module, there's a PR that's been waiting since May that says we want to add Express LRS to the five-in-one module, but they're waiting for it to hit one zero. So you may get lucky, and if you're happy mm. to run 900 megahertz equipment, you might find that support lands soon. On the other hand, you have a module bay, and yep. the happy model um, ES24TX is only 30 quid. So you could just spend 30 quid and kick the tires with the 2.4 gig stuff as well. Not a bad idea, is it? And it looks... Uh, I don't, uh, it's, it's out of stock at Unmantech. If anyone in the chat knows where it's in stock, let me know. <laughs> I picked up one from Unmantech a while back. Um, they will have more stock in. They're definitely still producing them. Or you could always just go to the Discord and, like, people in the UK... Um, I got one from Failsafe FPV for the T-Lite, and uh, I'd say great customer service, great guy. Um, it's made me an internal T-Lite one as well, so I'm actually going to put it inside the T-Lite casing this time and, and make it just a complete stealth build, if you will. So it's going to have the 4-in-1 and also Express LRS all inside the radio. 
Richard Boric reckons Hobby RC. I will, I will have a look. <laughs> 23 squids. It's nice and cheap. Certainly seems to have no downside currently. Wow. And we all, it sounds like we should all try it. If you're someone, well, the it. only downside is if you're totally scared and you want customer service and tons of documentation. But everyone's been super friendly. Uh, go on their Discord server and ask, and there's just legions of people ready to help you. It's really been a great experience, I have to say. Mm. Very good. Actually, yeah, makes sense. Is, is Jack returning? Do we know? Has there been an emergency? Probably. Very interesting, Chad, gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, You seem to have abducted Frank from our ranks. Um, I've I've got uh, my buddy Chris. He might might know some modules and stuff. He's been running the Open LRS. So maybe we could have a chat with him. It's not Open uh, LRS. Express, Express LRS. LRS. Express. 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 Open LRS was this ancient system, which I think might have some link, but no real tangible link to the project. Oh, so Express LRS. Express. Yeah. Mm. Express. Okay. Yeah. Well, before we sign off, I just want to say thank you to a few people who have expressed some interest in LDO No. Uh, we haven't worked out where what when how but there has been some interest um ben scarborough and who else did we have saying uh badger rc who i did see in the chat earlier um both sort of reached out and i think someone else as well uh said they're interested in in having a meet up uh somewhere at some point so uh let me know if anyone else is interested um, the please. more people that there are interested, the more likely I am to do something. So, hey, please, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, drop drop us an email. Let's drone out at gmail.com Message us on Instagram at let's drone out. Send us a message on Facebook again, facebook.com slash let's drone out, or drop a comment after the show uh, on on one of the YouTube things. Uh, let us know. Uh, but yeah, just stick as a thing, not on the stream, so that it exists permanently, and therefore I'm more likely to see it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll maybe try and sort something out. Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Drone Out. A massive thank you to all our patrons and everyone who tunes in and watches and listens to us. Does the banner work this week, Frank? Let's find out. Or do we have to message? Does it, will it work? Will it go all the way? Anyway, uh, tonight you've been joined by uh, our Lord and Master, head of LDO No, Andrew Sass Frank. Bye. Everyone's favourite little munchkin. Bonjour. <laughs> no, he knew it was. <laughs> Everyone's favourite curry kitten. Goodbye. And I'm sorry I confused Open LRS with Express LRS, Stephen <laughs> Slash Pelrick. Thank you so much, guys. And I oh, will look you. out for you in the chat. Were you shouting at us when we don't know anything? But you are very welcome to come back on and interview like. And <laughs> I've been you. bright until I fly. Thank you. Good night. Bye.
Bye-bye. Telemetry lost. Bye. Bye.